The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. As we continue the series, The God Kind of Prosperity, uh, as you guys saw, uh, Pastor T and Pastor Chipo, they send their love all the way from Denver, Colorado, where they were ministering at the Wealth Builders Conference, uh, Billy Epperhard's Wealth Builders Conference. I mean, what a miracle. What a story. You know, I mean, if, I don't most of you, maybe some of you know Billy Epperhard, or maybe some of you know Caris Bible College. You know, Billy Epperhard is the CEO of Andrew Womack Ministries and Caris Bible College worldwide, right? And he's got an annual conference, World, Wealth Builders Conference, right? And Billy is a multimillionaire, by the way, in U.S. dollar terms. So it, it doesn't depreciate. It's constant, so Billy Eppard is a multimillionaire in U.S. dollar terms and he invited Pastor Tafara to be part of that conference. And he was ministering as part of that conference. And it's an amazing miracle. It's doors open. And I was chatting to PT yesterday. I mean, he was just showing me some of the texts that Billy was, was, was sending him, saying that, no, he did a, such a great job. And Billy just rehashing what he said last time that, you know what, you know, he's adopted Pastor Tafara as a son. And he was saying that, you know what, I know some people and I'm going to open some doors for you. Right? And I pray for, for the same grace, the same grace on this ministry is for open doors to be also on your life. Amen. Amen. I'm excited, man. I'm excited about this. I'm not the one who's in America, but what I know is because I'm also connected, I'm also in America. Because I'm also connected, I'm also international. Right? It is the same grace. It is the same grace. Somebody say the same grace, the same grace. on Faith Hill Church, Church. is available to me. The grace of prosperity, the grace of, the grace of, multiplication. The grace of multiplication, it's available to me. Available. Amen. That's how it works. Yes. Yes? If Pastor Tafari is an adopted son, I'm also a grandchild. I'm also there. I'm also doing something, man. Amen. And this is available in our careers, in our businesses. It's also available for us. The same grace is available to us. Right? I mean, people be fighting to open doors for you. Golden connectors to open doors for you. Amen. Amen. So continuing today, uh, I mean, we've been into this awesome series, The God Kind of Prosperity, and I have the awesome privilege to preach on the tithe. You know, 10%, man. I get so excited when I preach about 10%. You know, first of all, I'm not the senior pastor, so hey, man, I can preach it the way I want to preach it, the way God shows me to preach it, right? And, you know, maybe you can go speak to PT later. But I'm going to tell you as I see it and what the word said. Right? So most people, they get their guards up when you speak about the tithe. Right? You know, because I mean, it's like, now it's about obligation, man. Now it's about, it's about fear, man. Do we really need to do this thing? Right? And ladies and gentlemen, you know, we don't need to do anything. But what we need to do is to look in the scripture using the lenses of grace so that we can determine what's God's heart concerning the matter. Right? So when you talk about tithing, the first thing we need to do is we need to apply what is called the principle of first mention, right? The principle of first mention is a tool that allows us to understand principles in scripture. 
So what we do is that we go where that principle was first mentioned. We study and understand it there. Then we apply it to the rest of the Bible, right? So when we are speaking about tithe, we first go to Genesis 14. This is where the issue of the tithe was first mentioned, right? And uh, this was, you know, this story, the background of the story, it involves, you know, at, uh, you know various ca- uh, characters. But the main character is Abraham. You know, um, and uh, his cousin Lot, of course, and also some the two kings which he met, right? So it goes as this. So we know in Genesis 4, 12, you know, God tells Abraham, when he was still called Abraham, to leave his father's house, right? To leave Haran and go to the land that he would show him. So Abraham ends up going with his cousin Lot, right? So they go together, you know, they take their possessions and they go off, you know, trusting the Lord that the Lord will show them where exactly they are supposed to go, right? And so it so happens that along this journey, you know, these guys were rich, man. They were loaded. They had so much livestock that what ended up happening is that the resources of the place they were could no longer sort of satisfy, you know, both of them, like with all their livestock, such that their servants began to actually quarrel. Right? Then the two of them had a meeting, Abraham and Lot. And Abraham was like, you know what, we, I don't want us to be, you know, to be in strife. Why don't you do this? Choose you know, where you want to go, the direction you want to go, and I'll go the opposite direction. Right? Then Lot you know, had looked at the situation, saw the plains of Jordan. I mean, they were lush, you know, lush grass. There were plenty of rain. And he was like, you know what, Lot? No, no Abraham, I'm going to go to the east. Right? So Lot journeyed to the east. So he went, he journeyed to the east as far as Sodom. And he ended up, you know, at settling in Sodom and submitting himself to the system and to the king of Sodom. Right? But unfortunate for Lot, I mean, this was a good idea, you know, in his senses. It was a, it was a nice place, man. It was raining. But unfortunately, Sodom was a place where there were unreasonable, wicked men. Evil men were in Sodom. And unfortunately, Lot ended up submitting himself into that system. And what then happened is that there was a four-nation alliance which came against the king of Sodom, who in turn created his own five-nation alliance. But guess what? You know, things of the spirit, that five-nation alliance was actually defeated by a four-nation alliance, causing Lot to be taken captive with all his goods and everything that he had. So now enter, you know, Abraham. You know, there was one, uh, there was, there was, uh, one, one of the soldiers who had escaped, you know, approached Abram and said, you know what, your cousin has been taken. And the story starts here, right? If we just go to Genesis 14, verse 13, um, it says, then one, it we can use in the New King James Version, so it's, we're still at uh, Genesis 14, verse 13, 1, 3. It says, then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebith trees of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eschol, and brother of Anna. And they were allies with Abraham. Now when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 servants. So this man had 318 servants, trained servants, who were born in his own house. I mean, how many of you have got 300 people in your house, man? I mean, these guys had money. These guys were rich. 318 trained. Then there were those, you know, the Mabenas who were not trained and stuff, who had to stay behind. You know, then the, obviously there were the women and the children and all these things. I mean, this guy had a lot of people he was taking care of, right? 
and he went in pursuit as far as, as, as Dan, right? He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hoba, which is the north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods, and he also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. The next verse. And the king of Sodom. So the king of Sodom now went out, man, this, this evil king, and went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Shadolomar and the kings who, who were with him. Right? So, and then what happens next is that, next verse, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the most high God. So here, this is where, it, where the story of the two kings begins. As we like to call it here, the tale of the two kings, or the tale of the two systems or economies. Right? So when we are here on earth, we need to know that you know what, there are always two systems. Right? This is spiritual. Right? You're, there are always two systems which you, should, you choose to submit to. Either there is, you know, the worldly system, or you can choose the system of the king of Salem, Melchizedek. So who was Melchizedek? So Melchizedek, you know, it's, it's basically Jesus pre, 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 pre-incarnate. It's Jesus appearing before, appearing in the Old Testament before he was actually born in the New Testament, right? That's who Melchizedek is, right? You know, without, you know, father and without mother, he's the king who lives for, for forever, right? So he's the king of peace. What's the word Jerusalem, Salem, there, it's the word peace, shalom. He's the king of prosperity, of wholeness and prosperity. So he meets, um, you know, you know a- Abraham, you know, as well. And if we can read the next verse, and this is what he does. And he says, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of the God most high, possessor of the heaven and earth. The next verse. And blessed be God the most, be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and, gave, and he gave him a tithe of all. Right? So, so that was the conversation which Abraham had with Melchizedek, right? This is how it starts. So it says, first of all, if you go back to verse 18, it says that then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. So, you know, as I say that, this is Jesus, right? And look at what he's already doing in the Old Testament. Bread and wine signifies communion, right? So he's already back then prophesying or showing a prophetic, you know, illustration of salvation, of the work of the cross. It already says that, you know what, you know what, his body was broken, you know, for our healing, and his blood was shed for our salvation. So this is Melchizedek, man. He's bringing all these things, you know, at, for, to Abraham, right? And this is what happened, you know, at verse 19 as we read. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. So what is the first thing uh, Melchizedek says? It's blessed, Right? And verse 20 says, And blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, and he gave him a tithe of all. So what, what started? Was it the blessing or the tithe? The blessing is the one that started. We are already blessed. Yes. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says that, you know what? Blessed be God of, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So we are already blessed. 
We are not trying to get blessed, but we are already blessed. So the reason here that Abraham gave a tithe was in acknowledgement. In acknowledgement of what? There are three spiritual truths that actually Melchizedek, you know what, you know what shared with Abraham at that time. And, and the first one was that, remember he said, and, blessed, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of God most high. So the first thing here that Abraham said, uh, that Melchizedek said, is that God is the highest authority. God is the highest authority in this world. He's the one with the biggest army, his angels. He is the one who is the highest authority in this world, right? And so, 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 so he's saying that blessed be Abraham of God most high. And he was saying that you are, Abraham, you are blessed, was number one, you are of God most high, and you have also submitted yourself unto God. Because we know from, from you know, the previous chapters that Abraham was always submitted to God. He's always someone who gave offerings. You know, he always trusted God. And if we contrast that to Lot, you know, Lot who used his physical senses and submitted himself to the king, under the king of Sodom, right? So that's the first thing that he is saying. And the second thing here in Genesis uh, uh, 14 as well, it says that the second thing, the second part of, uh, of verse 19 is that God owns everything. Right? Because he says the possessor of heaven and earth. God owns everything. Everything that we have, everything is in this world is the Lord's. Right? And this is the understanding. If we have this understanding, dealing with money will be very easy. It will be very simple. Dealing with money, especially doing the things that God has told you to do. Because guess what? If the person who owns everything tells me something, you know what? I'm going to do it. Because I don't feel like I'm taking from myself. You know, and I mean, you guys, I mean, I know you guys believe it. Go, let's go to Psalms 24, verse 1. You know, in the New Kings, he says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in it. So the earth is the Lord and all of its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. I mean, someone can say that, you know, what, what do you mean, man? I'm the one who did metric here. I'm the one who wrote those board, board exams. I'm the one going to work. This is my money. This is my car. What are you talking about? You know, just read it. Let's read it in the NLT. Right? In the NLT, it actually says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What is left after everything? Nothing. Nothing. The world and all its people belong to him. So if we understand that when we get our paycheck at the end of the month, you know, when your invoices are paid at the end of the month, what we need to understand that this all belongs to God. And after that, we are actually free to do what he wants us to do with it. Because you know what, if someone who owes everything tells me something, I'm also confident that, you know what, he can give, give that thing back to me. Right? He can give it back to me. And what else? The third thing we see in verse uh, 20 it says, who has delivered your enemies into your hands? Right? God is the one who delivers our enemies into our hands. God is the one who gives us the ability to do what we do each and every single day. It is God. I mean, there are so many brilliant people here. Pastor T always says this. You know, there are lawyers, engineers, business people, 
all these things. But it would be foolish for us to think that, you know what, we are doing this out of our own strength. That is our own ingenuity that has caused us, you know, to be successful in the marketplace. It is God. What it says that there's a tiny, between sanity and sanity, it's a tiny imbalance. So we can say that, you know what, this, 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 is, this is my, my strength for me to not have to, to my, for my chemicals to be balanced in my head. Who gives you the strength to wake up every morning? Do we wake ourselves up from slumber? We don't. It is God. So these are the three truths that Melchizedek, you know what, makes Abram aware of. And do you know what Abram does? He takes a tenth and says, you know what, I acknowledge that. Did you get that? That was the reason for the time. I acknowledge that. I am acknowledging that you are the one who owns everything. I'm acknowledging that you know what, you are the possessor of the heaven and earth. I acknowledge that you are the highest authority. And I'm acknowledging that you are the one who has done it for me. Imagine, with a five-nation alliance failed, 318 men conquered. <laughs> Since Jerry was talking here about, you know what, you don't have to have it first. You don't need to look at things carnally and, you know, try to make a plan and, and, and do this, you know, my budget is this and that. No. 318 defeated a four-nation alliance where a five-nation failed because of the backing of heaven. What we need is not more money. What we need is a backing of heaven. Amen. That's what we need, the backing of heaven. To go into the marketplace knowing I've got the backing of heaven. That's what we need. We don't need more. So you start where you are. And you start acknowledging where you are. Right? So then, obviously, this story continues the tale of two kings. Then what does the other king say? If we go to Genesis 14, 21, this is now the king of Sodom now. I mean, after all this awesome experience that, uh, you know, Abraham had, the king of Sodom also came. You know, the devil has no shy. Even after God has promised, you also come and want to tell you something. This is now the devil. This is what he's saying, the king of seven. He's saying, now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me. What is the first thing that the king of Salem said? Blessed. This one is coming and say, give me. That's all the devil wants to do. He wants to come and take your lunch and pop the bag. That's all he's interested in. He says, give. Let me take. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Give me. Right? He wants to do his deal. Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Right? And this is what Abram says. But Abram said, if you go to verse 22, but Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven. I have submitted myself to God most high, the possessor of heaven, the God, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. So here Abram begins to repeat what the king of Salem had told him. He begins to know and have confidence in who God is and to also knowing who he is in God. Right? And he says that I will not take, I will, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap. And I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I've made Abram rich. I will not engage carnally when it comes to prosperity, to finances. I will not do that. Right? I will not compromise myself. Because I've already submitted myself to God. Then he said, 
expect, except only that they, what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, like his allies and things like this. You know, they can have whatever they've ate, but I will not do anything. I will not have any dealings with you. Right? This, this, is, this is the tale of two kings, and it's a graphic illustration of God and mammon. God says you are blessed. I have already blessed you. Right? And Mammon says that, you know what? You will get an advantage. Let's do this. Mammon tries to promise you things in the future that God has already done in the past. Didn't he say to Eve, didn't the serpent say to Eve that, you know what? You are going to be like God. But what hadn't been Eve already made in the, after the image and likeness of God? It was already done. But Mammon wants to come and say, you know what? Let's do this deal so that you can get ABC. But we know that God has already done this for us, right? And when we acknowledge him, God gets excited. Let's read uh, Genesis 15, verse 1. I mean, after Abraham had done this, rejected the deal of, of, uh, of, of the king of Sodom. This is in Genesis 15, verse 1, in the New King James Version. It says that after these things, so after which things? After Abraham had acknowledged God and rejected uh, the, 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 the system of Mammon. He says, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. <laughs> he said, I am your defender and your exceedingly great. You now start sharing in my riches and glory. Guys, there's a difference when God has blessed us and we are doing what we are doing in the marketplace each and every day with our own strength. There's a difference where you begin now walking in his supernatural provision. Amen. I mean, there's a difference. It's a huge difference. You can ask Peter when they were fishing and doing things one plus one, but when Jesus came to the scene, they caught more fish than they could have ever imagined. There is a difference. Right? There is a difference. And Jesus says that, you know what, you are my, God says that, you know what, I, I am your exceedingly great reward. You will start benefiting from me. This is what the Lord says. But you know, some people may say that, you know what, Pastor H, but man, this seems like it's the law, man. This is the law, Chief. But the honest truth, you know what, we need to understand Scripture. And we need to know what we are talking about. Because this was before the law. This was over 400, between 400 and 800 years before the law. This wasn't the law. But it was a man acknowledging who God was. Right? So now, you know, we can say, but this thing, man, it's in the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament and see what Paul had to say about this story. Right? Let's see what he had to say. I mean, Paul also uses the principle of first mention and goes, when speaking about tithe, and goes where it was said. And Paul in Hebrews 7, verse 1 to 10, he explains and says, For this Melchizedek, King of Salem, this is Hebrews 7, verse 1 to 10. The priest of the most high God. So he emphasizes again, just God is the highest authority. He says, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then king of Salem, meaning king of what? Of peace. Without father and without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. This is Jesus. Now consider how great this man was, whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoil. Even the patriarch Abraham realized how great this man is. He said, now consider this. How great is this God? 
And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had promises. Right? It was another level of blessing because he received, but he blessed him again. Right? And it says, now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the, the bearer. And he goes on, he said, here. This is, it, it, I mean, he says here, geographically, when was that? Right? It was where he was, right? At that time. He says here, when he was writing. Right? And chronologically, when was that? So it's here on earth, right? And chronologically, when? In the New Testament. After Jesus Christ, when he was writing Paul. He says, mortal men received tithes, but there he receives them, whom it is witness that he lives. Here, the pastor, the church may receive tithe, but he's saying that there in heaven, Melchizedek still receives tithes. You can say that, oh, I also want to give it to Jesus. Yes, that's the plan. That's the strategy. That's the plan. Here, mortal men receive. And we shouldn't be distracted. Hey, what are they doing with the money? Yeah, no. Know that it goes to Jesus himself receiving. And also you knowing, if you then know what, you know that, oh, no, this church is not right for me. You know, these guys are misusing the, the funds. You know, we should always be free to look for another home. You know, when we have got the information to say, yes, yeah, I know I've got the evidence. These people are stealing for real. But a lot of things are said by people to distract us. This is what the word of God is saying, that he, a mortal man, may be receiving them, but they, he still receives them. Mechizedek, who met Abraham at the Valley of Kings, he still does that today. Right? So do we have to do it? Do we have to give tithes? No, we don't. This is the New Testament, man. We don't have to do anything. We don't. Man, if you are married, you know that, man. You don't have to you know, learn how to live with your wife peaceably. But it might be a good idea. <laughs> it might be a good idea. But you don't have to do it. Right? What the word also says in 2 Corinthians 9-7, so let each one give as he purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. You need to determine in your heart that, you know what, I want to be a tither, man. This thing works. I, I can get a blessing from this thing. It's all about our motivation. Our motivation should be love. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says that, although I bestow my, all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. The reason why we teach this is so that we can profit from these principles. That is the reason, right? It's for us to benefit. So now let me now go to, the, to my favorite, Malachi 3, verse 10. Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Would you rob God? <laughs> yes, I mean, this scripture, the reason, you know, we need to look at this scripture through the lenses of grace. This scripture, it's more blessing heavy than curse heavy. Right? Yes, let's look at it. This is what it says. It says, Malachi 3, verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have you robbed me? In tithes and offering. <laughs> Let's just wait a minute there. Can you rob someone who owns everything? Because even if you rob it, it's in your possession, he still owns it. 
So he's not talking that you've robbed me in money. You can't rob God of money. He's saying that you've robbed me of the opportunity for me to be exceedingly great reward. That is what he's talking about. Not that you have robbed me of money. And he says you are cursed with the curse. But hold on, man. We cannot be cursed with the curse. Because Galatians 3, verse 13 to 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse himself, as he says, curses everyone who hangs from the tree. So we cannot be cursed. But still, these verses still apply because Jesus might have, taken away, might have taken away the curse, but he did not take away the purpose and the benefit. Right? So we cannot completely throw away Malachi 3 because there's a blessing that we need to understand through the lenses of grace. Right? And what is the purpose? It says that bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there might be food in my house. Which one be the house of God? The church. So that there is food, so that we can eat in the church. Brothers and sisters, the tithe is not for an orphanage. There's a place for benevolent giving. And let me be so bold as to say this. The tithe is not for your mother who is struggling. There's a place for that. You know, I've got someone I know I love, but they never got to benefit from this for a long time. Because they say, no, but how about my mother who's struggling? But what does the Lord say? He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you seek what God says about prosperity, man, you would have enough to give away however you want to give. Right? You will have enough, but you need to start walking in these principles. Right? And, uh, so, so, and, and what are the benefits? And he says, try me now in this verse 10, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be enough room for you to receive it. Guys, there's a place where you will not have enough room to receive the blessings of God. Yes, right now, you know what, the thing is, some people think that, you know what, but, but I'm meeting my bills, man. We have not even begun to scratch the surface of what God wants us to, to achieve. Do we think that Bill gets things about bills? Huh? Aliko Dangote, does he think of a house payment? There are people doing that, just paying every month. He doesn't care. He's busy about eradicating malaria, you know, and malnutrition. That is the level that God wants us to be. Not every time you are putting out tender. You need to, people need to start looking for you. Say, hey, we know that we have been told that you do this work. Can you do this for us? Not one plus one every day. You understand? We are talking about multiplication 10 by 10. No, people should begin to look for you. Right? And if you apply this principle, it will begin to happen for you. Right? And he says, I will rebuke the devourers for your sake, so that there will not be, be any room, so that you will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Guys, the honest truth is that we live in a fallen world. We can't run away from that. Retrenchments happen. This and that happen. Business, bad business deals happen. But God is saying that I will protect you from that. He's not the one causing that, cursing you. But it's just the way we are. Right? And we need to apply the principles of where we are. Right? Guys, we need to, at the end of the day, you know, the issue of contributing to the house. You know, for me, I think, you know, and and I'm a last born, you know. So I know a lot, you know, having, you know, older siblings, you know, three older. You know, I know a lot about dodging responsibilities. (laughs) 
You know, when they say that, you know, there's a function at home, you just say, I know, I know, they've covered it, right? But, you know, but how many know when you, when you have grown up and you are married, you know, you can't go home with nothing because your wife will not even let you. Man, your wife will not even let you go with nothing to a bride, even if they, they said, you know, they are contributing everything. It's not going to happen. You need to go with something. Amen. Giving to the house, tithing, it takes maturity. It takes a mature person to know that, you know what, I can't be saved. Because the gospel is free, right? But these lights, they cost money. These projectors, they cost money. Being here every Sunday, it costs money, right? So, man, I would not be, you know, okay with myself knowing that, the, you know, what, the, my next door neighbor sitting at the, you know, at the right or left side of me, you know, the mature sibling is the one contributing and I'm coming every Sunday getting benefit and I'm not contributing anything. You know, that wouldn't sit well with me. It wouldn't, you know. It is the time to grow up and the time to enjoy the benefits of what God has in store for us. God wants so much more for us, not struggling with this 10% and doing all these things, right? Then you might say, but hey, Pastor H, you know, if tithing was so important, but how come Jesus never said anything about it? But I need to tell you today that Jesus said something about it. If you go to Matthew 23, verse 23, he says here, Matthew 23, he says, Who to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. He is saying that they are weightier matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faith. Right? And he says, these you ought to have done. Which are these? Tithing. The tithing. You ought to have done that without leaving the others undone. So he says you should do it. And, you know, I know some of us, maybe, you know, we are you know, lawyers, you know, want to, you know, it's not clear. Let's go to the NLT. Yeah, it's like, ah, this is, you know, it's, duplic you know, it's, a, it's a duplicate meaning, you know. He says, who, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law? You Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your head gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. Let's read this together. You should tithe. Yes. You should tithe. Yes. You know, if I had a mic, I would just drop it. Because we are done. <laughs> I'll just do a mic drop. Right? He's saying you should tithe, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, tithing is for today. Amen. Tithing is for right now. Amen. Right? God wants you to, to experience him in a greater way. Amen. Right? He wants you to experience him, and you need to start trusting in him. As Sister J.U. said, trust is the issue. If I give, will I have enough for the month? Let me tell you, and let me be honest, you might even struggle that month. But it's not about this transaction. It's not whether I struggled or not. It's about whether was I engaged in the relationship. Was I engaged in the relationship? This life is not about money. Money is not important. God does not need money to meet your needs. Because there are a lot of people who might not be working, but they still have their needs met. It's not about money. God wants us blessed. And if we can just stand on our feet, and we can just thank the Lord for his word. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.